This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. I know you've been saying it for a few weeks now, but let's do it one more time. Everybody say, Jesus is. is. We are in week number three of this fall series that we are calling Jesus Is. And actually, it's right out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you'll turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians 2. And for those that are possibly new here, if you would like all of these scriptures that I'll use today as well as the sermon notes, they're available on our app. If you'll go to your smartphone right now, you can go to your app store, Calvary, C-A-L-V-A-R-Y, F-T-W, like Fort Worth, Calvary F-T-W. You can download that onto your smart device and go to speaking notes. And this message is right there for you to follow along with as well as the scriptures. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1 has been our series text now for the last two Sundays. It is again today and it will also be on the 25th when my friend James White wraps up this series. So here it is. This is where we're taking our, our, our series from. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. I want to throw this out there for some of you. I'm, I'm probably different than most of you. Uh, I'm, I'm a church junkie. I love church. I grew up in it my whole life. I was fortunate that my mother and father, uh, they were faithful church members, and they brought me into the church as a child, and I grew up around the, 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 the life of a Christian. And, and the older I get, even though I'm a pastor, I absolutely love church, and, and I'll attend other churches. I'll sneak into different services. I'm a big junkie on watching uh, other services. I just love church. And while that might bless me, what Paul is saying here is that when someone's drowning or when someone's life is melting down, when they're facing divorce, when they're looking at bankruptcy, when they have a child on the streets that they can't find, when, when they're losing it all, their mind, their finances, When they're losing it all, they don't need more church. They don't need polished speech, and they don't need the latest philosophy. They need a lifeline. They need a life vest. They need a a rescue boat. They need a fire extinguisher. They need somebody to tell them it's going to be okay. And this is what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. And he goes on to use these words. He says, I deliberately keep it plain and simple. I might, I might get with my friends over coffee and discuss, uh, discuss the synoptic gospels. We might get alone over coffee and, and look at the epistles. But for the, for the person that's in trouble, I keep it plain and I keep it simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. So this month of November, what we've decided to do is take this, take this series and, and just tell you who Jesus is. 
and what he's done. The first Sunday of the month, we looked at this subtopic. Jesus is my best friend. Because whenever you were created by God and brought into this world from your mother and father, there is an area in your heart that no one can feel. Nothing can fill it. Nothing can consume it. Uh, things and stuff and people, they can't abide there. There's an area in your heart that belongs to God. And Jesus wants to be your best friend. Someone that gets you. If you were here, if you were here for that sermon, that's really the line that I kept using. Jesus gets me. He just gets me in all of my weird ways. He gets me and he loves me. And then last Sunday, the second week of this series, we discussed something that has been mind-blowing uh, because all week long I've, I've received text messages, even personal telephone calls concerning last week's message and the results of the message. And that was Jesus is the miracle worker. And we just agreed together for things to happen in your favor all week long. And it's been dynamic to hear the good report of people that, that, that go to this church that have experienced great, wonderful things from God all week long. Well, today, in, in this, my final part of the series, the series will be wrapped up next Sunday, but this is my last chance to preach to you this month of November. And I'm going to bring to you something that, that I want you to find the comfort in, and that is Jesus is coming again. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, real quick, I want you to look at Acts chapter 1. And while you're turning to Acts chapter 1, I, I want to kind of give you a little background about me because some of you are, are guests today and you don't know me that well. And, and I grew up in the church, as I've stated already. Well, I grew up in an environment where the coming of the Lord, that was a scary topic. And, and, and there were, it was, it, was, it was, you know, I just knew, I just knew that he was going to come before I ever got married. And I just knew that he was going to come and return and catch me in a 16-year-old dumb moment or a 20-year-old dumb moment, a 44-year-old dumb moment. I just knew that he was going to come and, and it created fear in me. I, I was always worried that, you know, I went to, uh, in junior high, I tried my hand at band and the first trumpet I heard, I was such a churchy kid. I thought, it's the coming of the Lord and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm lost, I'm not right with God. And, and I just knew that the, the eastern sky was going to split and it was going to be a Sunday morning and I was in a deer stand or I was on the golf course and I just knew that I wasn't going to be saved. I'm so thankful that I've grown in the word of God to realize that the coming of the Lord is something to have hope and comfort in and not fear. And I'm just going to say this real quick before we go into Acts chapter 1. My job today is I want to show you that you, you can have rest at night for the rest of your life knowing that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And when you're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, the enemy cannot tear you out of his hands. 
You see, I kind of grew up with that mentality that every time I would trip, every time I'd make a mistake, every time I would even have a thought that wasn't pure and right with God, that I was automatically lost forever. And that is a very legalistic, fear-based mentality. And I want to set you at ease today. And I want you to know that His grace is sufficient for you. And I want you to find comfort and peace and rest in this truth that Jesus is, he's coming again. And I want to help you be ready to meet the Lord. Acts chapter number 1, this is what the Bible says about this topic. After, verse number 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly, everyone say suddenly. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. In the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Out of the 27 books in the New Testament, 23 of these books speak of the coming of the Lord or what we would know as the end times, the end age. 23 of the books of the 27 talk about it. Over 300 scriptures in in the word of the Lord address the return of of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot there that that we can learn from, a few things I'll show you today. But there's also been a lot added to the coming of the Lord story that really doesn't have enough scripture to to stand on. It's it's been developed over time through through fear and through anxiety of missing heaven. And and I, want, I just want you to know that it's natural for you and it's natural for me to want to know when and want to know how the coming of the Lord will happen. But it's also stuff that, that we'll, we'll never get a grip on. This is what happens in Matthew chapter 24. You and I are not the first people that, that wanted to know the when and the how. It, it started a long time ago. Even the disciples asked the question to Jesus. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? Everyone say when. When will Jesus come back? When? When will it be? And then they went on to say, and what will be the sign of your coming? Everyone say how. There's the big question that we all want to know. When? And how is this all going to go down? Well, I'm I'm not an expert on the topic. And and i got to be real careful here. I don't want you to think I'm not interested. But it's not a topic that I spend a lot of time on. Because I just understand the scripture's teaching. And that is, you're never going to really know when. And you're never fully going to know how. And I think there's enough about the end times that we do find in Scripture that I need to spend my time on versus the the struggle of the when 
in the house. Matter of fact, I was in geometry class. And it's kind of funny. I mentioned the same class last week. And in and, and geometry, I was in class whenever the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Returning in 1988, was the big deal. Now, the 830 service, which is, it's not all elderly people. We have a great mix of age there. But the majority of our 830 service, they, they were like me. They kind of grew up around the church. And our 10 o'clock and our 1130, there's a lot of new people to the faith of Christianity. So I'm just curious, uh, if there's, are there folks here that are familiar with the book that I'm referring to, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Would Return in 1988? is it, it, it amazing? It was like majority in the 830. There was this cat that wrote a book. And it was released in the year 1988. And he gave 88 reasons why Jesus, Jesus would return in 1988. And then in a certain chapter, he even gave a day. I was scared to death that day. I was so nervous that I wasn't right with God. I would just be walking through the halls at school. Hi, Jesus loves you. I do too. <laughs> Big football player like, I'll pound your mouth. Why are you talking like that? You're a weird kid. I know, but Jesus is Lord. <laughs> He's the Lord of my life. Let his light so shine. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing everything I can do, right, to perform for my soon-to-return king of kings. I wanted him to find me shining for his glory. School was out and I was like, huh, okay, okay. He's, he's coming around dinner time. Heavenly Father, thank you for this magnificent roast and potatoes. Carrots. This is the finest food that your hands have ever provided. I was just trying to impress him because he's coming, right? I would go to bed that night and just lie in my bed just you know, singing hymns unto the Lord, amazing grace. Just knowing that he was going to find me ready. I woke up the next morning, I was like, man, that punk done wrote a lie in that book, 88 Reasons Why. Well, the truth be known is he's, he, he missed it. He missed it. And luckily he didn't come back in 89 or 90 or, or the year 2000. I mean, it, got, it has to be difficult. The longer it goes, the more reasons you have to have. You know, 20, 20 reasons why. We don't know when. And we don't know how. And there's a lot of folks that get bogged down here. And it affects here. If you try to live for God from head to heart, you're going to always be frustrated. You're going to always be confused. But if you'll live for God from the head, uh, from the heart rather, to the head, have your heart settled that Jesus is Lord. And let's not try to think our way into heaven. Let's believe our way. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Can someone say amen? amen. 
But there are a few things about the coming of the Lord's story that we have plenty Bible for. And that we need to be aware of. And that we need to consider. Here's the first one. It's given to you in your notes. Here's the first one, ladies and gentlemen. And that is that Jesus will come unexpectedly. Matthew chapter 24, verse 40. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Everyone say, be aware. Be aware. Keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. You have to be alert. Because we don't know the wind, so therefore we have to be alert. We have to be aware. We have to be in the game. So we have a little eight-year-old in our house that, that uh, she's, she's in her second year of basketball, and, and she thinks she's LeBron James. And she's got enough of her daddy in her that she really thinks she knows what she's doing. And she's got enough of her daddy in her that she doesn't know what she's doing. And the other night, we were at the Kerr Middle School gym where my eight-year-old practices. And I was in the bleachers with, with actually another parent that's in this service. And their, their child was on the court. And I was in the bleachers. And, and, and I noticed that, man, this kid of mine, she's got some handles. I mean, she, she's, she's, we've been working on her dribbling. And, and she's been crossing over and dribbling with the left hand. And she's keep trying to keep her head up a little bit. And she's working that ball, working that ball. But she's eight. She's eight. So... When the other kids are dribbling, I find my kids, my kid that's wanting to do cartwheels and make sure her hair bow's not slipping. And she's just kind of, there's like unicorns and, 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 you know, I don't know what else is going on. But I went, because I'm that dad. And the coach looks and I'm like, Coach turns back, and I'm like, Esme, what? Court awareness. Court awareness. And she's like, what? <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> oh, okay. Listen to me, everybody. I grew up in an environment that I really felt like if I got distracted for just a second that I was going to miss heaven. And I just want to set some of you at ease today. You're in this game, this journey of learning more about Christ and learning more about you, yourself. Keep dribbling. Keep working. Keep practicing. But when you have a desire to do a cartwheel or check your hair bow, or better yet, when you just check out for a minute, just listen closely. There's the voice of a father, your heavenly father, just giving you a little, pss, pss. it's all good. Just, 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 I'm coming. And, 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 and just, just, I just need you to stay alert, okay? Just, just. Just focus a little bit. 
You see, condemnation will take you all the way out of the gym, down the street to the city park, and you'll never want to play ball again. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit will say, it's all right, just, just get that ball back in your hands and, and dribble around the cones. It's all good because we're going to start make, making layups soon. And, and, and we might even start running a few plays after that. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to, 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 to really play in a real game. And, and you're going to grow and develop. Because everybody in this room, you listen to me. We're all at different places right now in our walk with Jesus Christ. And the enemy wants you to get so distracted. And so, uh, so distracted with things that you become uninterested. And I just want you to hear the voice of your Heavenly Father today. As God's just telling you, I'm coming. I'm coming, and it's going to be unexpected. You're not going to know when. Two, two will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two will be at the grind, uh, at the grind milling, and one will be taken and one will be left. Let's talk about these two. The first one is extremely comforting. And I want to show you the beauty in it. And I pray in the name of the Lord that your heart be moved with the love of God. The one that's taken is literally this. When Jesus comes again, he's coming for his church. His church. The one in, the one in Russia. The one in China. The one in Louisiana. The one in Texas. The one at 700 McPherson Road. He's coming for his church of the living God. And the Bible gives us a, a clear description of how it's going to happen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left, will be caught up. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Ladies and gentlemen, there's, there's some of you that are like me in this room. And we've already, have, we've already invested some of our loved ones over there. I would be shocked if there's anyone in this room that hasn't lost a loved one. Can I just tell you, take comfort today. Take comfort in these words. That when we are caught up with the Lord. And we receive our great blessing of eternal life with Jesus. We are also going to enjoy some of the, the incredible benefits of heaven. One of which will be the reuniting with our loved ones. Another benefit that we'll enjoy is something that I want to spend the majority of my time on with this 10 o'clock service. And I need everybody focusing just real quick. And I want you to hear this. I don't want you to miss it. There will be a new, a made new heaven and earth. A new and old things, old things will pass away. For you see, you and I, and I'm going to do a little Bible study with some of you, okay? Because this is the big disconnect with some of you. 
and, and I need to connect with you, okay? So hang in here with me. You, you and I are living in the fallen state of man. We are literally, unfortunately, we were born into a time, a dispensation. We're, in, we're experiencing the big fallout of disobedience. The disobedience in the original garden of perfection. It wasn't supposed to be like this. And I'm going to get real personal with you. And, 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 and you got to hear me well. It wasn't supposed to be like this. It wasn't supposed to be divorce and abuse. It wasn't supposed to be financial hardships. It wasn't supposed to be a divided family over politics. It was never meant to be this way. It wasn't meant to be with, with disabilities and sickness in our bodies and three and four doctor visits a week. It wasn't meant to be cancer patients and, and AIDS patients and Parkinson's disease. It wasn't meant to be this way. Hey, moms, what meant to be having a, having a struggle with the, the, the hormonal changes and the, and the, and the touches and, and, the, and, the little, and the little signals of depression trying to get through these tough days of raising babies? Hey, dads, it wasn't meant to be this way, feeling of the pressure of trying to provide the best in an outrageously priced world. What, it, this was not the plan. The plan was beauty and perfection and unity and love and goodness and joy. Greater than contentment. It was meant to be abundant life. But this is the story of disobedience. And as I do as a parent, I try my best to drill into my kids. There are results of disobedience. Well, that's not just some dad on earth trying to raise up a good kid. That goes back to the original story of creation. There is a fallout for disobedience. And unfortunately for, for us, and I know that's kind of selfish sounding because it's not just our generation, but unfortunately for humanity, we're dealing with that. But Jesus is coming again. And one of the great things I want you to walk out of here knowing is that he's going to restore it the way it was meant to be. And for the one that's taken, not for the one that's left, but for the one that's taken, for the church, there won't be any more tears. And there won't be any more sickness. There won't be any more stays in the hospital. There won't be any more financial hardships. There won't be any more medicines taken. There won't be any more insurance claims. That there, there won't be any more... Bills. There won't be any more traffic. Can I get an amen? I got to change it up a little bit every now and then because you guys are like, I like it when it's funny. Okay, there won't be any more politics. That's the first amen somebody said in like three weeks. You know why? 
Because there won't, be a, a, there won't be a president. There won't be a house. There won't be a senate. He'll be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the lion will get along with the lamb. It will be a place of love and a place of, of, of health. It will be a place of togetherness. It will be a place of unity. It will be a place of, of wonder. Oh, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? We'll walk, talk, sing, and shout when we get over yonder. You don't have to be in fear about the coming of the Lord. I want you to change the way you think about when that trumpet sounds. You don't have to be like, oh, God. You get to be, oh, he's coming. And I'm going to be with my family. Those that have gone before me and those that are with me. And we're going to be reunited. And old things are going to be made new. Now, I would be less of a pastor if I told you that, the, that, that, there's, that that's the end of the story. But remember, we have one going up and we have one being left. So let me tell you about the one being left. The Bible tells us that when Jesus does come again, he will come unexpectedly and he'll come and receive his church. But he'll also come and judge the earth. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20 in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened. If you were here a few Sundays ago, we, we talked about these books. They were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Second Thessalonians first, uh, chapter 1 verse 6 tells us God is just. And he'll pay back trouble to those who troubled you and give relief to you that are troubled. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Hear it and hear it, everybody. Hear it, AO young people and, and adults and grandparents. Hear it, everyone. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. It is, it is a trend, it is popular. It is, it is a movement that very seldom does the pulpit refer to the second person that's left behind. And it's an unfair shepherding if we do not understand the story being told. One will be taken and one will be left. And straight out of southwest Louisiana, here's the most simple way I can deliberately keep it plain and simple. Be on the right side. Well, how do I know? Have you made Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you fully welcomed him into your heart as Lord and Savior? Have you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and confessed him as your Savior? And if you have, may not the condemnation of the enemy ever draw you to a place of confusion again. Know that you know that your name is written 
in the Lamb's book of life. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord Jesus today. So what do we do with this? Well, let me give you a pastoral charge of what now. Because if Jesus is coming again and we don't know when, we just know that he's coming for his church. And I've taken the steps to be in that bride of Christ. I'm, I'm a part of the family of God. So what do I need to do? Well, well you, you, I'll give you a few things. Here's the first and the foremost important thing that I feel that we are called to do. And that is reach people for Jesus. I kind of like to study the book of Revelation a little bit more and get to know them four horsemen. Okay. But you're going to miss out on a great opportunity to reach people. Because guess what? Cars and boats and houses... Vacations, sports, none of that's going to go to heaven. Money won't be in heaven. Livestock won't be in heaven. Lake houses won't be in heaven. Trips to Disney won't be in heaven. There's only one thing going to heaven, everybody. It's people. And once your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you are charged, you are instructed, you are sent. The great commission of Matthew 28 tells us you are to go. Reaching and teaching. Our job is to populate heaven and bankrupt hell. We have no other vision. Pastor Tommy, what's your vision? To to, to populate heaven and bankrupt hell. How do you do it? Over coffee. Over golf. Over shopping. over, over, Over McDonald's. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just do it. Reach people. Here's what the word of the Lord says in Jude chapter number 1. Be merciful to those who doubt. Don't just throw the unbeliever aside because one day you were an unbeliever. Do you realize I was born and dedicated as an infant in a Christian church? But there was a window of time where I had to make my decision for Jesus. And if I would have been walked by, if I would have been pushed aside during my days of doubt, I could be the one that's left behind. But luckily for me, I had someone that was patient with me. I had had a youth pastor that gave me a little grace every now and then. I had a pastor that, that loved me even though when I, when I thought that I knew what was best for my life, I had a pastor that never, that never tossed me to the side. Moms and dads, let me pastor you parents for a moment. Even though they're acting absolutely ignorant, don't, don't count them as gone. Because you too had days of doubt. If the grace of God is sufficient enough for Tommy Brandon, the grace of God is sufficient enough for anyone. And I can tell you the Bible says be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch them. Snatch them from the fire. And allow Jesus to save them. Everybody say reach people. So what do we do with the message that he's coming again? Reach as many people as we can reach. Here's the second thing. If we know he's coming again, let's stay focused on eternity. 
Do we have to go to work? We have to go to work. Do we have to pay a mortgage? We have to pay a mortgage. Do we need to send our kids to school? We got to get them to school. Do, do, we, do we pursue blessings in this life? You better believe it. There's nothing wrong with pursuing blessings in this life. But I can tell you right now, nothing in this life matters more than the next. Focus on eternity. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes. We, we lock in. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. So what do we do knowing that Jesus is coming again? We reach as many people as we can reach. Some of you, when, when, when the spring semester gets here, you, you, it, okay, listen to me. Some of you, you've been in a small group long enough. It's time you lead a small group. Because there's people you know that we'll never know. There's people that are on your radar that are not on your group's leader's radar. It's time you step up and lead a group. Reach people, reach people, reach people, reach people. And stay focused on the big picture. Not this present world, but the coming age. Stay focused on what matters most. Eternal life matters more than this temporary world. We're going to do the dead level best we can in the dash of life on our time span. On a very personal note, some of you have walked the path that I've recently walked. But just in the last week, we did that, that, that awkward, weird deal where we designed a headstone for my father. You know, you got to go pick this out. And you got to pick that out. You, you could, you could have an you could have a undergrad and a graduate school degree from Harvard cheaper than a headstone. And we had that whole thing to walk through. And just once again, it reminded me, that's my dad's birthday, and that was my dad's death day, and that was his life in the middle. As we know it. But actually, he just started living on August 21st, 2018, for eternity. What a short little moment that prepared a way forever and there's some of you in this room right now that you've gotten so focused on the here and now that you've overlooked the most important your little your little blurb of life matters so much for what's next how you handle the now will dictate how you live there and a lot of people think, well, that guy that's left, hell, is that where God sends people he's mad at? you got to understand, hell's not where God sends anybody. Hell is just the place that people choose to go to pay their own sin debt. Heaven is a place that John tells us that Jesus went to prepare for you. The one that chooses to take him up on his offer and let him pay it for you. Focus. On what matters most. The long run. Be a sprinter. And sprint hard and fast. And win the race. Just know though. That it's the marathon that's coming after that. That we get to just take it easy. And enjoy the blessings of God. My final point for you before I pray over you today. As Jeff will come help me close this morning. With keys. 
Let me give you my final point. And it's the biggest one of the day. If you'll give me just a few moments, I'll pray over you, okay? Here's the biggest point that I'll make all day long. Don't miss this last one. What do we do? We reach people and we focus on eternity. But here it is, everybody. Be ready. Be ready. And I'm going to give you two little words from Scripture that will help you be ready. It's not living by fear. Don't walk around. Being ready is not walking around scared about who's going to jump out and get me. That's old legalistic, nasty, pharisaical way of living for God. Square your shoulders back. Lift up your eyes. Be ready by these two measures from Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 3. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? How do you be ready? Here are the two things I need you to walk out with today. Live holy and live godly. Live holy. Separate yourself from the world. I don't have enough time to teach it and preach it right now. But if you have your name written in the Lamb's book of life, we need to live like it. Live holy. Separated unto God. Live godly. Represent. Represent your faith well. Represent your God. A lot of people misunderstand this beautiful thing that's changed my life forever called grace. They misunderstand it. Some people think you don't believe in anything godly and holy because you're covered by grace. That is a terrible abuse of the grace of God. You frustrate the grace of God when you, when you approach it that it's permission to live in sin. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Make it count by appreciating it. Let me just say this real quick. A lot of people feel like they have to have that, like they have to have rules in their life to live a life that's pleasing to God. No, you're just pleasing the rule. When you have grace in your life and you value that, you'll please God. Because you'll separate yourself unto him and you'll represent him. You know, if, I, if my two girls, if my two girls want to please me, it's not just not breaking rules. If they want to please me, I just want them to, to love me and represent us well and be loyal and faithful to us. Let's, let, let, let's be blood, let's be family. We can get through anything with that. And God is looking for a church, the church that he gave his own life for. And when he returns, that's who he's coming for. And there's great benefits for being in the body of Christ, eternal life, and, and reinstating a pre-fallen existence and enjoying the love of God forever. I want you to stand and I want to close with one quick story. So my mom... My mom will probably be here at the 1130 service. She's 
she's she starting to fall in love with that 1130 service. And I love it too because she's, she's in her 70s, but yet she loves hanging out with younger people. She says it keeps her young. But my mom gave me a Bible at my high school graduation. Now, what she was thinking, because it was red. I'm a man of God. I need a big, giant, black Bible. I mean, come on, Mom. Not a little red pocket Bible. But inside the flap of that red Bible that I have in my office right now, it says, Now, Tommy, don't you forget. You and your sister have a standing appointment with me and your father in heaven don't you miss it and don't be late we'll meet you there before I pray over you I want to go to heaven with you and I don't want you to go and me not and I don't want to go and you not and some of you want to get so bogged down in all the winds and the howls. And I'm sorry, I'm not that kind of guy. But I am this kind of guy. Let's get our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And let's reach as many people as we can reach. Let us love as He's loved us. And let's be ready. Let's have court awareness. Let's know what's going on at all times. Let's fix our eyes on eternity. And let's go together. There's nobody outside of my blood that I would rather spend eternity with than you. Every eye closed and every head bowed. This is why I woke up this morning. This very reason over the next two minutes is why I woke up today if you're in this room today and you're not quite positive you're not sure if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life that you're not saved if you're not sure about it but you know that you know that you're ready right now to give your heart to Jesus in salvation I want you to lift your hand and I want to lead you to Jesus Lift your hand real quick. Lift it up tall. I see this in the center section. Lift it up now. Come on, let's not hesitate. Let's not just barely lift it. We're talking about eternity right now. Something that matters more than, than anything else. If you know that you know that you're ready to receive Jesus as Lord. Lift it up real tall before I pray over you. I see that hand, that second hand, that third hand, that fourth hand. Is there anyone else before I pray over you? Come on, everybody. You ready? I'm fixing to pray over you. If you're ready to give your heart to Jesus and be a part of the family of God, for you that have your hands lifted up, this prayer is for you. And, and, and you're going to have to speak these words from your heart. And if you want to add something to it, feel free. Make it yours. Make it your prayer. Matter of fact, why don't we all, everyone in this room, everyone together right now, pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus. I've heard the gospel today. 
thank you for making a way that I can be saved. Nothing else will work. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for paying my sin debt. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for writing my name in that great book of life. By faith, I am saved by your grace. You are my Lord. And you are my Savior. From this day on, everybody pray this. You ready? Give me the ability through your righteousness to live a holy and godly life that's pleasing unto you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord today.